Welcome to the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast with Borg, Betts, and a baller. Welcome in. Wednesday, September 20th. It's the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast. I am joined by Mike Wright, Matthew Betts. I am Kyle Borgannoni. We're back. Hello. Week three, baby. It's hard to believe. It feels like every August, you know, we kind of have the buildup. And then before you know it, it's almost October. And then <laughs> it's almost November. And yes, before you know it's Christmas the season, and the season's over. When the season starts, you go to ludicrous speed. Yes. And the, the week disappears because all day Sunday is the glorious, glorious football. Monday, you're like, screw work. This is dumb. And you just burn your hours until Monday Night Football starts. Then you spend hours upon hours in your waiver wires. Wednesday happens, and you kind of take a little bit of a breath. And then Thursday, screw work, burn the hours <laughs> into Thursday night football. And then before you know it, it's Sunday again. It is it is really ridiculous how fast time moves at this period. But hey, guys, time, time uh, flies when you're having fun, right? Yeah. Yes, sir. And, and fantasy football is fun, right? Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> can be it's it's rough because i feel like bets has gotten overworked from the injuries this year like to the point of man every single day we have to be like bets is this guy even gonna play and these are like i feel it big time players yeah it's like this is a a good question because i'm like man the injuries have just been ridiculous this year but i feel like that's something that we end up saying a lot so from your perspective, anecdotally, Betts, you, do you feel like this is out of control or is this just slightly above normal? I mean, I think it happens every year, like you said, that we see that and then we feel it. But I feel like it just happened so much earlier. Like with the Cooper Cup thing starting on IR, it's like, here we go. You know, top five pick and redraft leagues is on IR. Um, and then just the severity, I think, of the injuries. Aaron Rodgers, right? First, first drive with the Jets, he's done. J.K. Dobbins, week one done Nick Chubb done and it, these kind of things are happening just so early in the season this stuff will happen throughout the year obviously but I agree it does kind of feel like this year those injuries especially the ones that are, are season ending are hitting harder than usual early on yeah I feel like I need some perspective to like zoom out because it does feel like it's all compounded at once and it feels even more compounded um, in dynasty where you had these hopes for a player over multiple years and then the value gets sucked out of them and so it's it's tough because we're thinking about these players as human beings with real contracts, with real futures. And then you also think about it from the game, the silly, stupid game that we play and how much this player is worth is just gone. So for instance, let's talk about Nick Chubb as just kind of the fallout because I'm in a league where I floated, I, someone floated me two first for Nick Chubb before last night's game, uh, before the game the other night. And uh, that didn't happen. And are you in a, are you going, are you in rebuild? I'm in rebuild. And so, and some, <laughs> okay, I, I don't have all this context. You're a rebuilding team and someone offered you two for, are they both next year? No, they're a future first. So they're like 2025, 2026. Uh, and, okay. And these okay. teams are really good. So I, I asked myself, like, if I got the 110 and 111 for two years, like, is that, is that worth it? Okay, I can I can forgive you for that, but if because if it was like two firsts for a twenty seven year old running who's a superstar running back, right. but for two picks for next year for that and a rebuild that would have been and, a and keep in mind except immediately and keep in mind the trade wouldn't have gone through until after the game because of of him playing and everything else. So there was still like a lot of stipulations to it, but obviously now. That's not on the table. I did get an offer for Jerome Ford, and I just went ahead and took it. It was a twenty twenty five first. No, okay, okay, yeah, nice. Well, so Especially what, in a rebuild, let's gauge, that's that's pretty savvy, I think. Yeah, in a rebuild, I think it's totally fine. So let's just kind of gauge the Browns' backfield. Who knows who they're going to sign? Whatever else with Chubb, you're just going to have to hold and see if he comes back. He has no guaranteed money next year, so it's oh no, it's sad to think <laughs> that a player. That I remember on this podcast, we talked to Jason. We were talking about his range of outcomes and said, hey, if he smashes this year for this team, there's no chance they cut him. There's no chance they move on. 
now it's a real reality with what's going on. So what do you guys think of just how do you handle this with players like Jerome Ford, who looked really good. Remember, he was at Alabama and then transferred over to Cincinnati. He was pretty productive in college. And so give me the kind of lay of the land with Jerome Ford, how you guys are handling him. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to jump in. Um, I've had him in a couple spots, just kind of thinking about the, the backfield and the depth chart uh, entering the offseason. And then we saw them, you know, of course, move on from Kareem Hunt. And he was kind of the last dude. And it's like, okay, yeah, I'll stash him and let's see what happens. And you have just this immediate huge spike in value for a player that, you know, we've seen in very, very, very limited sample might be good, but we don't really know. And so for that reason, I am actively trying to move on from Jerome Ford, especially if I'm a middle of the road or uh, non-contending team. Um, whenever we see these huge increases in value, I'm usually looking to capitalize and be willing to be wrong in these situations. Part of the reason for that, and I don't know if Deshaun Watson is going to fix it, but the Browns offense looks absolutely broken. And I'm not sure, or I, I should say this rather, I am sure it's not a one-to-one replacement. Like Jerome Ford is not just going to step in and be Nick Chubb, right? Of course not. Nick Chubb has been one of, if not the most efficient runners in NFL history. So you were not getting that from Jerome Ford. And you add in the concerns with Deshaun Watson, how he's looked. Yeah, I mean, Jerome Ford's fine. Like if you've got him and you're a contender, sure, hold him for an RB2 type of play most weeks. But if you're not a contender like Kyle did, I would be absolutely looking to shop him. Yeah, I don't mind getting rid of him right away. Where are you guys with Nick Chubb? So I'm looking at the the details. So Kyle, you are correct. Next year in 2024, zero guaranteed. He would be guys. It get worse. It gets worse. He if they keep him at his contract, he is a 16.2 million dollar cap hit. Or they can cut him pre June, and it is a he turns into a four million dollar dead cap. That's it. And this, I mean, <laughs> for the people who, which I don't think there's very many of them left, but like the people who are not on the side of the these humans, the running backs, like not on the side of 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 Jacobs, Barkley, Taylor, Eckler, of like, no, no, boys, you do what you got to do and get your shmoney because this is what happens, and you you. I I can't imagine that the Browns keep him around. Like I don't know what Deshaun Watson's salary cap ridiculousness is going to be, but they're going to have to find money when you have given Watson that amount of of cash and having it being fully guaranteed. And this it it is so incredibly sad. Bets, I'll throw it back to you because uh, I don't think we've heard at the time of this recording we have not heard what the actual injury is. If you if you are iron stomached enough to have watched the video, the knee was out of direction, sideways and backwards. I mean, this it it looked it looked like um, what was the the oh shoot sorry guys there was a there was a kid in college for like South Carolina Marshall I can't Lattimore. remember but yes thank you thank you Marshawn Lattimore. Where it looked, where it was just all of a sudden his leg is not in the right direction. Now I think his was like a full dislocation. I don't know if Chubbs did dislocate. Marcus we don't have Lattimore, that again. Sorry, Marcus, Marcus, Lattimore. Marcus, Marcus Lattimore. But that's what it reminded me of. Of like, holy crap, a knee is not supposed to do that. And when a knee does that, you can't imagine anything is left intact. It would be a miracle if, to me, if any of the ligaments are are still structurally sound. So bets. Very little information, but well, we have an episode and people want to talk about it. So in your background of it, what are the chances that Nick Chubb could actually come back and be any kind of a capable NFL player? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's hard to speak to it without knowing specifically what structures are involved. But just to give context to it, he was taken to a local hospital for evaluation with the injury. And when whenever you have an injury that's as serious as his was, when you have concern for that dislocation, especially towards the back of the knee, there's a major artery, major nerve that goes there. If those structures are compromised, it is immediate surgery to save the leg. Like that's how serious this can be. Those like, things checked uh, out. Uh, Zach Miller, Zach uh, Zach Miller, I think of the Chicago Bears. He had that situation. You guys, if you remember, like his knee 
did something similar, and then he almost lost his leg. Yeah. Fortunately, those structures checked out, so he flew back with the team, which is great, uh, all things considered. Um, now it's just a matter of what specifically is involved, but it's definitely ACL. It's definitely MCL. There's going to be cartilage damage. There's going to be meniscus damage. I mean, it's one of those like ACL plus, plus, plus situations. And to make matters worse on top of that, this is a player who already dealt with a significant reconstruction in that same left knee. Remember the, the Georgia injury when he was in college? Mm -hmm. He's kind of already an outlier to overcome that and not just like return to form, but he got better, which is just a testament to how good he actually is. He got better off that injury. For that to happen a second time at this part of his career, given the financial state of the running backs and his age, it's just, it's hard to see. I think absolute best case scenario is he comes back as like a change of pace type of guy, maybe. And this is a year, a year plus recovery. Like it's not just like, okay, nine months. Yeah, maybe we'll, we'll see or 12 months. Hopefully like it's a super long road to recovery. And the fact that it's that same left knee definitely makes me worried. He is legendary. Not just, I mean, I'll just say in the state of Georgia, he's legendary in high school, legendary at Georgia. And then Kyle Brandt brought this up on, on, on TV. Like he might be one of the most beloved players across the league. We're just universally He's just yeah. liked. Yeah, people love Nick Chubb. Yeah, and just for what he is. So let me give you some numbers real quick for the for Cleveland situation because next year they are already uh, minus $48 million, um behind the cap. So they're not in a good situation already for next year. Yeah, dude. Uh, so it it's it's not looking good. Um, I was, last thing I just want to say about Jerome Ford, um, Betts talked about capitalizing. Year to year, it's really hard for running backs without the draft capital, right? Fifth round pick to be able to say that he's going to hold a job year to year. So for this year, obviously, you're going to hold on. If you had him, trade him away if you want to you know, sell high right now. But there's no guarantees, despite what he does this year, in the same way we said you know, for other players with that draft capital, it's, it's uh, probably not going to happen. So anyway, uh, tough situation. We get to talk about it from a number of different perspectives in Dynasty. But we're going to debut, changing gears here, a new little segment this week we're calling Sneaky Stats. No, my drop. I had a fat <laughs> drop, Mike. This thing was going to be awesome. Oh. Let me get it. Oh, you kind of snuck up on me there. I am very, very sneaky, sir. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. You redeemed yourself. Very, very sneaky. Dude. Uh, uh, super underrated movie. Mr. Deeds. It is, it's really funny. It is a really, really funny. And uh, the sneaky butler, I mean... Among the top of bit parts in Sandler movies. Yes. Now, did I find that bit and then watch probably like 15 minutes of the movie? I did. I just there you go. My back hurts. Doing some work. I so what we're going to do throughout the season is offer a sneaky stat line and then slowly reveal who the player is so you can kind of play along. We'll do this for uh, you know during the season for Dynasty. It's kind of fun. So I will let bets start first and see if Mike and I can guess who this player is. I didn't know we were supposed to to have a slow build up here, Kyle. You didn't explain the situation. But slow your roll, dude. I, you got this. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't even know I was supposed to come up with a stat line. I thought I this was you. Kyle's oh. game. Yeah, Kyle, come on, man. Um, but here, here's where we're at, boys. Okay, this player played 45 percent of the snaps last week. He saw 18 total opportunities, 35 scrimmage yards. So it's not inspiring. Gosh. Now I will say. This is a player who people were very excited for entering this season. I'm guessing that you can tell probably based off the way that I talked about total opportunities that it's a running back. <laughs> Wide yeah. receivers don't see 18 targets unless they're Puka Nakua. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. So it is a running back. This is a player people were very excited about entering 2023. 18 okay. opportunities? 18 opportunities and 35 yards is booty. I mean, that is that is nothing. So, I don't know. Give, is there any more? Is, I don't know if there's another hint to, without just giving up the name. Yeah, I can, I can give one more hint. Well, I guess this okay. will help listeners. But, okay. but it'll help you too because you know the show doc. We are talking about his teammate later today. Okay. Oh, oh. Is this Pierce? This is Damian Pierce. Wow. Yeah. Who has done next to nothing for fantasy Two Kyle, weeks. stop smiling. Why are you smiling, Kyle? <laughs> Kyle, Kyle, stop. Betting against fourth-round picks and fifth-round picks. 
and smiling in the process. Kyle just has a weird axe to grind with Damian Pierce. <laughs> he does. But I did want to highlight Damian Pierce as a little uh, precursor for what I'm going to be talking about later on today, which is just these inefficient running backs, man. It's been so tough in the NFL through two weeks for a lot of these guys. And the Damian Pierce situation, I just want to get your guys' volume on it, or your take on it, rather, you know, where you stand, because, man, the offensive line is a train wreck. Four out of five starters were at last week. They've got two guys on IR. Can they fix it? Do you think better days are ahead? I was at least encouraged. They made Mike Boone a uh, healthy and active to, like, give a little bit more work in the passing game to uh, to Damian Pierce and, and Devin Singletary, but it's just, it's been tough to watch. The The thing... I'll throw out there is that on a team that you get volume, it's wild that you're not getting any volume in the passing game. Like just just enough to be able to say, I can depend on this player long term. So I'm I'm of the ill that I don't I don't know if he's somebody that you can go after. I don't think you want to trade for him right now. So at the end of the day, he's kind of stuck in no man's land and dynasty where He's on your roster. Nobody wants to give you what he's worth. And Mike might add this in, but running backs just, they die sometimes on your roster. And so yeah. he's just stuck. I, and, I, and I hate saying that for people, but like if if he's your flex, you feel better. But as an RB2, I don't even feel comfortable. Yeah. Let's see. So we had a 7% target share for Damian Pierce, it looks like, in, in week two here. Uh, and week one, I mean, that's not that's not the worst. So he was at a 65% of the running back uh, attempts, 75% of the running back targets. But, I mean, we're, we are learning in real time the tendencies of C.J. Stroud, who, Kyle, our boy, C.J. Stroud, Ooh. we're look hey, those, not wins, but uh, those, are, those are wins. Those are two wins for, for a rookie coming out there. He looks like he can develop pretty quickly into a starting caliber quarterback. So I'm very excited for Stroud. But we're learning in real time what are his actual tendencies. And some quarterbacks, they love to check it down to the running back. Some quarterbacks do not. I mean, and like uh, uh, Nico Collins, fantasy relevant. Robert Woods, from uh, from from the retirement home to relevance, Tank Dell in his first real appearance, fantasy relevance. So I mean, C.J. Stroud at least two weeks in is saying, "I oh, know I prefer to have the wide receivers uh, be my target," and the fact that they are going to be in a negative game script. Okay, let's go through the Jacksonville, or I'm sorry, the the Texan matchups here. Jacksonville. I expect them to bounce back and have a better offensive performance than they did against the Chiefs. Let's go negative game script. Pittsburgh, really tough defense, but maybe we get some more Damian Pierce opportunities there. Atlanta, okay. So, And then New Orleans before the bye week. So over the next four matchups, maybe you're okay with Pierce in one to two of them, but it – it's a really bad situation, Kyle. I think I agree with you of dynasty-wise. I'm just holding on, and I'm hoping that after the bye week that the Texans can kind of start getting things going and just hope that there's more uh, scoring opportunity for Pierce. Yeah, you look at the target distribution so far. It's just two games. I get it. But 70% of the targets are going to the wide receivers. That's Yeah, there you go. That's tied for the third most in the league, 12% to the running back position. That's not going to get it done. And things might even out a little bit more. They might be in games a little bit more. But still, I just think he's a player that I'm not trying to dunk here. I'm really not trying to dunk. I just, at the end of the day, the paths for him to fail were bad team, terrible offensive line. And if you're not getting enough opportunities, like if he got raw opportunities, 20 a game, we could just keep trucking here. But um, it's not great. I will give you my sneaky stat line. And this is also a running back who only saw 48% of the snaps last week. 32 snaps overall. Okay, so he wasn't even the top running back on his team. But here's the crazy part. He saw an opportunity on 50% of his snaps. Oh, I know what this one is. Which is just wild. I'll give and, you I'll give you a second best to think about it. Is this a rookie running back? No. This 
This is a rookie running back. Oh, it is? okay. Well, I'm wrong then. I'll take it back. I think I've, I think I'm I know who it game. is. Go for it, bets. Is this Jameer Gibbs? It is Jameer Gibbs. <laughs> so he was getting oh, peppered man. with targets last week. An opportunity on 50% of your snaps is not just elite. That's just bonkers for any running back. And then through two games, guys, he his targets per outrun number is 36%. So I wanted to bring this up because not that you're going to get a buy low window or anything, but just if you are the Jameer Gibbs manager and you've waited two weeks and you're saying to yourself like, okay, well, where's the actual production? It's, it's just about to come in like a flood. So um, this week is against the Falcons. It's sneaky. And I think that I think he's going to get in the end zone too. I think he's also due. So just want to throw that out there. Sneak, no, I, I and it's it's hard to disagree, but it's also very easy to disagree with you spending a what, what pick was he? So did you guys twelfth number overall. twelve? The, 12th. the number 12th. twelve overall pick on a running back that you have given a total of fourteen carries over two weeks, like that. Don't don't give me rookies. No, burn. no. Do not give me rookies. Need to acclimate. That's poor decision making. A player drafted at number twelve needs to be an impact player immediately. If it's not a quarterback who's sitting on the bench learning how to play the position, so I mean they will figure it out. But this is like there's been there's always so much bad drafting and bad utilization of players shout out to the Atlanta Falcons Ooh. but it's like what are we doing here man get this get this guy the ball and then David Montgomery leaves with an injury and like it should have been a hundred percent Jameer Gibbs at that point just unleash the beast see what he can do well, this will put things to the test this week because the Falcons face the Lions so we can like kind of see, show each other like, hey here's what we do in the draft <laughs> right. what do you guys do yeah, and um, I really here's want the our, Falcons to, to win. Here's our part-time number four overall pick coming at you. You might catch two passes. The thing with Gibbs, though, real quick on on the Lions, just philosophy and how they view him. I'm not convinced that like they actually are going to unleash him. I I hope they do, and I I want them to for us for fantasy. But like, I kind of feel like they view Craig Reynolds as like David Montgomery's direct backup and I do Gibbs too. is is his his own role which if he's getting 5 6 7 targets he can still get there but man yeah give the dude more than 7 8 9 touches a game and let's see what can happen so this week i think will be very very telling we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back all right on this show this week guys we are going to get to talk about a couple things because we've only been through two weeks. And for some people, that ends up being a trend. You're like, okay, well, this has happened twice. Therefore, we know what's happening. NBA Jam Rules states what, Mike? Well, they're, the states, are, states are heating up. They okay. are not officially on fire. But there's, we're going to call some of these things. We're going to say, are people going to splash that three, get on fire, goaltend till their heart's delight? Or will it end? All right, let's get into it. Trending or ending? It's really easy to start going down a path and saying this has happened twice, therefore this is going to happen again. After week one last week, remember, we talked about some things to not overreact to. So one of those things we brought up was T. Higgins. He was fine. He was totally fine. Uh, Justin Fields was something you brought up last week, Bets, and the panic Ooh, alarms. It does not look good. It does not, <laughs> it does not look, look good. good. But... I, I, you brought this up, Mike, too, on a show that, hey, Justin Fields looked like doo-doo through the first four or five weeks last year mm-hmm. and was totally fine for fantasy. Now, NFL football might be different. And then uh, Jason actually brought up Jordan Love to kind of wait and see. And oh, although the touchdown we're... numbers are there, he looked like a dum-dum, especially on that let's, snap. Let's <laughs> say we are – we're still waiting the that the regression <laughs> regression to the mean it will happen to him for passing touchdowns. Bets, I will let you start us off on something that you we can talk about. Is it trending or ending? Yeah, we, I feel like we've been a little negative to start today, so let's get a little positive. Uh, the Anthony Richardson rushing, oh my goodness! <laughs> if this continues, yeah. he might break fantasy in week one. Ten carries, forty yards, 
one touchdown. But like, if you dive in a little deeper to that, he led all quarterbacks in design rush attempts. And Shane Steichen has this dude out there who completed what, like just under 55% of his passes in Florida running as a top five pace and a top five pass rate in neutral situations in week one. He fully unleashed him. And then in week two, it's a limited sample, right? Because he didn't get the whole game. He went into concussion protocol. But in 18 snaps, three carries, all of those were designed, 35 yards, two scores. The 17-game pace is kind of hilarious because it's extrapolating a game and a half, not even. But 110 attempts on the season, over 600 yards, and 25 touchdowns rushing. Of course. Obviously, that will not happen. But the design rush attempts are there. And... If he is going to use him this way, Shane Sykin, you know, for the next three years, four years, with how young he is, how explosive he is, how athletic he is, I feel like, you know, in, in the offseason, we all saw that this could be in the range of outcomes. But now that we're seeing it, I guess from a dynasty perspective, it's like, does he slide up a tier? Does he slide up two tiers in dynasty rankings if we look forward to next year? So give me your thoughts on, uh, on Anthony Richardson. Is it here to stay this massive rushing production? I'll jump in. I, yeah, I, I think you need to react immediately to this. Not not that anyone who drafted Richardson is now going to trade him. I mean, the drafters were the truthers, and they are being rewarded handsomely through two weeks of the season. So, yes, he will, he will immediately leap up a tier. But the question I have, and it, maybe I'm just getting too uh, – too far out in front of my skates. You've played Richardson two weeks. Richardson has gotten hurt twice. Like, if you're the head coach of this team, do you have any concerns about that? I know that week one it was a knee or or but nothing bad. They said, oh, he could have gone back in the game. Yeah, but he didn't. Like, he he did not go back in the game. And then he gets concussed in week two. It. I, I don't know. I, I feel like you're going to have a talk to Richardson about making certain decisions with how you play it. Maybe he goes the rest of the of the year running wild like a lion and doesn't face any more injuries. But I'm just telling you, like, if I'm the coach of this team and my guy has now been knocked out two of two times, there, uh, there's at least a little bit of concern inside. Yeah, it's worth bringing up. His touchdown run against the Texans, like, he was in the end zone, and then he kind of got tackled and thrown down. So that one's just kind of unfortunate because, like, the dude was clearly scoring and then got tackled. But when you say bets, he goes up a tier. I want to put that to the test because I went back and looked at our rankings and looked at a show that we did, Dynasty Quarterback Superflex Tier. So we just talked about, hey, these are where these guys are. So we had Mahomes and Allen and Hertz as kind of that top tier. And then we had the guys who all got contract extensions, right? Burrow. Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, and we put Trevor Lawrence in that group. And then the next tier... Yeah, not I didn't. The next tier was <laughs> Justin Fields oops, and oops, oops. Kyler Murray and Anthony Richardson and Tua. Like That's where we're at. So would you put him above that group? I know we're just two weeks in. We have to make calls of saying this is just what I believe for my own team, but... I'm assuming we would say he's moving in a better direction than Fields. He's definitely yes. moving in a better direction than Fields. The the more important thing to me is his passing success. I mean, he I mean, I'll pull it up, but I think he's completed 65% of his passes. Yeah, oh, 65 week 1, 60% week 2, only 6 of 10. But the point being that is so much better than he was in college. Like if you're that was the huge question with Anthony Richardson was, will the passing develop over time to the to the point where he is a true franchise quarterback? Small, super small sample, but the fact that week one, they let him rip it 37 times wasn't huge production, you know, only six yards per attempt on, on those, but making good decisions. And if that continues to evolve, plus the running, I would... I would immediately move him up into that uh, into that next tier that we had. I'm not going to put him in the elite tier yet. It's only two games, but I'm willing to move him up already. That's that's a really fair assessment because 
he's been way more accurate on the short stuff, which is what he wasn't good at in college. Yeah. Where like you would see him with these screen passes and be like, dude, you're throwing that a hundred miles an hour. Dude, Steichen. Yeah, Steichen. I mean, like look at look at Jalen Hurts. He does he still had a huge fantasy week two, but he played like doo doo in week two. Uh, aside from a couple big Devonta Smith catches, and that it it will not take Philadelphia fans very long uh, of some more subpar Jalen Hurts uh, playing before they are very very angry in the streets that they let Steichen go. Well, not not that you, you couldn't have stopped him because he's a head coach, but saying, "Oh right. crap, this this was more impactful than even we thought." Yep. Let me let me give you a couple more numbers because so far. In Anthony Richardson, two games, we have seen exactly 55 dropbacks, and he's yet to throw it 20-plus air yards. Yeah, not one. Not one attempt, And but he's been slaying in the short area. So I I think you're right. We need to pause on, like, who he is as a passer. But if he does this, if he runs like this, like Betts mentioned, we talked about his range of outcomes. If you run 80 times in a season, you're a top 10 quarterback in terms of points per game that's just what we've seen historically so I he's someone I feel so I took him at the 102 in a super flex in a rebuild I can chill I can wait and I'm rebuilding and he's someone's like okay for fantasy I feel comfortable and if my team stinks even more then I get Caleb Williams and I get (laughs) two two quarterbacks to figure it out so love it uh, Mike you're up next all right so one of the things that I want to talk about uh, I want to is what's going on with Nico Collins? Like, <laughs> what's what's happening here? Uh, is this for real? Because it is it's year three for Nico. We have him. He's at twenty four and a half years old. He was a third round pick, so the draft capital is there. The frame is there. He's six four two fifteen. So he's he's big boy, team tall, thick wide receiver, and he had always given us flashes like Nico Collins was someone over the past few years on on the footballers who he would pop up every year on the waiver show of like well look what Nico did is this is this interesting to you do you think he can continue doing it and it would always be sporadic it was nothing was ever consistent with him but where are we now like did he in fact level up week one six for 80 this past week seven for 146 a tutty CJ Stroud looks like he's going to be competent enough to feed Nico Collins the ball accurately. I mean, that was, he caught seven of nine targets for 146 yards. So that, I mean, the Nico Collins, this is not cheap and dirty, low level PPR stuff right next to the line of scrimmage. No, these are, these are big boy targets getting down the field and they're going to be in negative game scripts. Like we highlighted, they're going to have to throw it a whole bunch to try to win. So are we in a place where Nico Collins, we're looking at this was a year three breakout uh, that that some people uh, like over the over the offseason. I saw some some people talking about it. Uh, you know, good friend of the footballers, Matt Harmon. Nico Collins is one of his guys and he's looking very, very correct on him right now. So where are you guys with Nico right now? Is this just a two week mirage or is he CJ Stroud's guy? It's tough depending on the format. So in a half-point league, I think he can continue to be a consistent performer. I don't know if he's going to be able to sustain six, seven receptions every single game if there's any close game script. But I love the way they're using him. But like before, I kind of thought he's just a big dude. They're just going to throw some contested catches. Like he's a wannabe Mike Williams or something. But the way they're using him is in the middle of the field, these intermediate targets, which is so different than how he was used his first two years with, you know, Davis Mills and people. So I, I think one of the reasons we love Stroud so much, I think all three of us did, is because he slayed in the intermediate area at Ohio State. It was just like, oh, if you can hit those kind of throws, you know, 10 to 19 yards somewhere in the middle of the field, like you can be good and that's what he's doing. So in that sense, they're using him in a way that works. I just have an issue when I look at the body of just him overall. Guys, did you know he had one top 24 game in his career before this year? Yeah, makes sense. Sounds about right. So I think, depending on where he is on your roster, you can capitalize because, you know, going into the season, no one was counting on Nico Collins to be a contributor in Dynasty. So I'm seeing some people say that they 
are willing to flip him. I don't know, Betts. Like, do you think that he's one of those players too? Where it's like two weeks in, everyone said this is what the Texans' offense is, and things can change the NFL in a second. Yeah, for sure. I think the production's probably a little bloated right now, just given, like you said, kind of they've been behind so much so early in the games that they just have had to abandon the running game and let's drop drop back a ton. That said. I do think this is real. Like, I think Nico Collins is quietly, like, a pretty good player. We talked about him this summer. I can't remember what show it was. I mentioned, like, the underlying metrics do say he's gotten... Oh, he wasn't a nasty boy. We should, we should have made him a nasty boy. He was getting better. His his targets throughout run improved from year one to year two. Yards throughout run improved from year one to year two. And that was playing next to Brandon Cooks, who's always been a pretty good target earner. So it was like, okay, like, I could see the path. And you mentioned the C.J. Stroud thing. What if C.J. Stroud's just really good? Remember... Nico Collins has caught passes from Kyle Allen, Davis Mills, whoever else. <laughs> not, not good, right? Like we're <laughs> no finally getting a chance to see him with a competent quarterback. Um, and some guys just take a little bit longer to develop in the NFL. And that's kind of what we're seeing from Nico. So no, I don't think you're getting 10 targets a game every single game, but he is their wide receiver one. And, you know, I think the John Mechie thing, unfortunately the ship may have sailed. Like if Nico keeps playing very well, Tank Dell keeps playing very well. Robert Woods has like the financial commitment from the team. It's hard for John Mechie to kind of sneak his way in there for playing time. And oh, by the way, Noah Brown, right? Who who was out for four games. But yeah, I think Nico Collins is the dude. I buy that he's a good player. I'm just not sure I buy that we're going to get, like I said, 10 targets a game, six catches, that kind of thing. But as a wide receiver three for your dynasty team, totally in. I'm just also happy that Tank Dell is a thing already. I think he is. I I think he is too. It, it's it if if it was pretty lonely there on as the I feel like me and Kyle were the only Tank Dell supporters I knew of uh, personally. Of course, online people like him, but it was it's like the he's so small. How how does it happen? How can he be this like, good? Just, but because the dude balls out, man, he's good. <laughs> he's really good. Let me gauge real quick with Nico Collins. We'd rather have Nico Collins or Romeo Dobbs in Dynasty. Oh, I would take Nico personally. I have Romeo Dobbs, and I would trade him for Nico. Okay. If I could. Let me give you another name. Nico Collins or Rashad Bateman. Oh, well, why? What, are you just going off on my roster, Kyle? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just twisting the knife? It's probably probably Nico. But I I think that there's still time for something good to happen to Bateman. I was going to say, we don't want to overlook the Bateman situation, right? Because it's predictable that he's starting slow with the injury situation. He is a former first-round talent. We can't forget that. We also really haven't seen like the Ravens passing offense unleashed. So it's it's tough. I think it's a coin flip. I lean Nico, but I wouldn't hate anyone for wanting Bateman over Collins. Did you guys see... Um, I can't recall who was talking about it, but there were... Uh, reporting on week one of because like Lamar didn't you know run the way that we are used to seeing him run and they said no that they specifically wanted to try and do that like they wanted to see what can Lamar Jackson do from the pocket trying to like build up those reps get that muscle memory and and get those skills firmly entrenched and then get back to the the running because I mean if if they can do both, they'll be an unstoppable offense. Uh, so I, just, I thought it was an interesting note that week one when we're all shouting at Lamar to scramble and because I, I think his instructions were, no, try try to be in the pocket. Because, and that game, if you recall, against the Texans week one, it was like, what are, what's happening with the Ravens? How is this a close game? And then, ah, oh, no, they, they, they blew the door open on the second half because they were like, okay, let's, we can move away from this now. We'll get back to it. I'm going to bring up a trending or ending topic, and it's Brock Purdy. And I, I'm not going to lie. I've kind of just avoided thinking about Brock Purdy as a former. Why? I, yeah, I don't know. I just. Uh, not Lance related? No, I just wanted to block it out of my mind, you know, just uh, keep things cool. So Brock Purdy in nine games with Christian McCaffrey, the team's averaged 32 points. So you can't deny that this nope. team and Kyle Shannon knows what they're doing. Through two weeks, he is fourth in quarterback efficiency so far, expected points added per play, which if you look at this top 10 list, guys, the NFL is very different than we thought it would be in 2023 in terms of quarterback play and who's leading. So Jordan Love's number one in the league 
expected points per play. Brock Purdy's four. Jimmy G's five. Russell Wilson's six. Well, hold on. Why'd you skip number three? Oh, yeah, Dak. Dak's three. I just was getting That's right. All right, sorry. Go. You may continue. (laughs) Kyle's so selective with with his analysis. (laughs) Baker Mayfield's eight. Yeah, I just wanted to throw out all the the, the weirdo names. But Brock Purdy for fantasy. I want to make sure that conversation is about fantasy and what he means for dynasty because it's easy to come on here and say, man, if you held on to Brock Purdy in a super flex league, you feel so good about him as a, as a QB two. Like that, that feels safe, feels good. You can lock that in, whatever. There were some things in this last game against the Rams where he just flat out missed throws and he came out and said that there, those are on me. I've got to hit them in stride. Like there's a Brandon Ayuk touchdown that should have happened and it was just gone. So I wanted to kind of feel out like with Brock Purdy, Things are trending in the right direction. They're playing the Giants on Thursday night. They should destroy again. But is he a good fantasy quarterback? So far in two games, just 16.8 points and 14.7. And they scored 30 points as a team. So is Brock Purdy good for fantasy is my question. I think the way you framed it with the QB2 in Superflex is perfect. Like he is, he just feels so rock solid for a legitimate floor every single week with this offense. It's, it's almost impossible to fail, and I don't want to say that, but it's very hard to fail when you have a good play caller who, look, we have a huge sample of whoever the quarterback is plays very well in this offense. When you've got Ayuk, who I think is a star, Debo's incredible, Christian McCaffrey is incredible, Kittle is a major weapon when he gets the ball in his hands. So it is hard to fail as a, as a team on offense, and he's kind of perfect, honestly, for what Kyle Shanahan wants. Like, get the ball out on time, deliver it to the guys, let them go after the catch. That's what he does. Is that going to result in a huge fantasy performance most weeks? Probably not. But will it be serviceable for you know high-end QB2 numbers a lot of the weeks? I think so. So yeah, I think he's a perfect QB2 in Superflex leagues. I certainly don't want him as my QB1. Obviously, he's not going to run the way we want and that sort of thing. But yeah, with the weapons he has, I love him as a QB2 in Dynasty. He's Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> Like he is, he is literally it. And I I, look, he's not exactly Garoppolo, but I'm saying for fantasy purposes, we had Garoppolo in San Francisco had basically two full seasons, really just the one, but 2019, 16 games of Jimmy Garoppolo quarterback, 14, 2021, 15 games of Jimmy Garoppolo, the quarterback, 17. I, I wager you give him one more game. He would have ended up right at, about the quarterback 14. So really solid for for a quarterback too. And I think that the, he he would have his place in single quarterback leagues because sometimes when you're you're streaming the the position, you are accepting a a huge amount of risk because like this particular week Baker Mayfield is a looks like a really strong streamer. You know, he's playing well. He's at home. Philadelphia's secondary is banged up. He's widely available in in leagues because people don't want Baker Mayfield. But part of that is you're saying, I'm going after the ceiling, and I accept that the floor is potentially catastrophic if I'm going to stream Baker Mayfield. Sometimes you just want to stream a guy who's going to give you 202. And I know that, that Purdy did not hit the two-touchdown mark uh, – this this past week, which I think he had, I'm pretty sure he was at two passing touchdowns minimum for each one of his starts before that. Right. Of, and he and he just missed. He missed on a couple throws that Brock Purdy has been hitting on. So I think that there is a place. Sometimes you look at your matchup and you go, I just need my quarterback to just do. I don't need to explode the ceiling with this quarterback. I'm going to go with Purdy this time. So I think the answer is, is, is he good for fantasy? Yeah, he is. But he's not a superstar, and it's hard to see him ever becoming a superstar. It's wild looking at what he is so far. Like, So he's the QB 19 so far, and like he's behind Justin Fields, who feels like a colossal failure, but he's behind him. So that's kind of what he is. It's I was trying to like find a comparison, and Mike, you gave Jimmy Garoppolo, like over the last like 10 years, like who is the quarterback for a team that – scores 30 plus points a game but their quarterback actually isn't that great for fantasy because I think if Purdy's the guy let's say over the next three four five whatever years 
he's going to have to have an outlier 30 touchdown season because he doesn't run as much as you want and the volume's really low. So that's the only thing that I would just pause. Like the, the success of the team is going to be good, but for him, you need an outlier 30 touchdown season. It's possible. Like if he, if he keeps hitting that two a game, he can do it. But, um, it's like also like Rams, Jared Goff. Yeah, like which Jared Goff, sure. Goff had a thirty-two touchdown year, and that that was the year he was the quarterback six. Other than that, he was QB thirteen, thirteen, eighteen. Yeah. All right, we're gonna take one more break, and we'll be right back. All right, we're back. A couple more trending or ending dynasty thoughts bets. Hit us. Oh, no. This is not good. This is not good. To quote the great Mike Wright on episode 23 <laughs> of the Fantasy Footballers <laughs> Dynasty Podcast. Yeah. Screw them RBs, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the the inefficient running back play across the league has been so tough to watch. We talked about Damian Pierce at the top of the show. I want to highlight a few guys, and I'm not trying to cherry-pick names, but like these are kind of just the guys in my head when I think about what has gone on for the first couple of weeks. This is who has stuck out. Josh Jacobs, 1.6 yards per carry. 19 out of 28 of his attempts have gone for two or fewer yards. He has a long of seven runs, uh, seven yards. Najee Harris. The efficiency numbers, when you look at yards per carry, you're like, oh, okay, over four. Like, that's pretty good. But it literally is because he's ripping off like one 12-yard run per game. He's getting stuffed to the line every time he touches the ball. Jalen Warren is so much better for this offense than Najee Harris, Alexander Madison. We've been talking about, like, eh, he kind of feels maybe like a classic dead zone back, but the opportunity's yep. there. He hasn't been great. He's gotten stuffed a bunch. No for, uh, missed forced tackles so far. No runs of 10-plus yards. It's been very meh for Madison. Uh, not even on the dock, but Ramondre Stevenson has really struggled running the ball. So I guess I, I don't know where I want this conversation to go, but of these guys kind of in this group, like, are there guys that you're hitting the panic alarm button on that you're like, okay, I need to get off this guy off my roster if I can get a good price for him? Are there guys that you're willing to practice patience with? Just your guys' temperature on the names that I mentioned with these inefficient running backs. Uh, I'll jump in. I mean, Najee is the most troubling because this is now we're is this year this is year three of Najee year yes. three. Yeah, so year one was great because of volume because Big Ben. His tendency was he throws the ball to the running back and gets out of the play, and he volumed his way to being a really good fantasy football player. That goes away the the very next year with uh, Trubisky and Kenny Pickett, and the inefficiencies go they <laughs> they mount, and now it's looking even worse. So, and on top of that, Jalen Warren, I think you that was a. a the way to phrase it, Betts, is he is he seems like he's so much better for this offense. Like these running backs need a certain time of a certain type of offense, and they need a certain type of offensive line. Like the the offensive line is not helping Najee Harris. It is certainly not helping Alexander Madison. And Madison is not a player who's going to beat you with speed to the side. He's going to he he's going to bully you up the middle, and that's what Najee Harris has to do. And that's, I mean, Josh Jacobs is, uh, he has speed, but he also, I don't I don't know how much I talked about it on this show, but I, I mentioned it in the footballers. They're like, do you guys have any concerns the fact that he is holding out all of training camp and all of the preseason? And I had said, I don't have the data in front of me, but I just anecdotally, when I look back in my memory, when guys skip the entirety of the preseason, it usually takes them a while to actually get back into football shape because you have to get your body used to so many different things, uh, including having 250-pound guys crush into you you know, multiple times a week. So Najee's the most concerning. Madison, it, the the concern for on the Madison side is more of it, I don't know if it, it's chicken or egg. Is it they're not running because they're inefficient running the ball, or are they, or is it because they're just so good at passing the ball? Like the the Vikings through two weeks are the team 
passing the most in a neutral game situation. There, I think it was like seventy percent, which is that's wild. I mean, those those are huge, juicy numbers that if you got Jefferson or Addison, be very, very excited about it. So I again, I don't know if they're going with that because Madison's not getting the job done, or is Madison not getting the job done because he's not getting enough opportunity, uh, and the offensive line's not getting into a flow. Better days are ahead for Madison. He's got the Chargers and the Panthers coming up next. So if you're trying to bail out of him in a dynasty situation, I would gamble and risk that the the next two games are going to be much better for him, at least in terms of fantasy output. Najee, good, good, good luck. Good luck trading Najee Harris for anything that represents the value that he could actually bring you over the course of the season. Yeah, that's that's my main thing is these guys are not going to fetch you anything that you need for your roster when all we've seen so far is that running back is just, if you have them, you need to survive. You just need to survive and be able to find players that you can get in. So I agree with Madison. I think he's fine. Snaps-wise, totally fine. Inefficiency, I've never, I don't think any of us said, hey, he's going to be a super efficient back. It's more of a Correct. volume play. So and I'm an fine. offense. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Josh Jacobs, <laughs> it it Mike, you might be onto something about just like he's missed time with a new quarterback that he's never played with before, right? Uh, before the season, they're asking him to pass block more, and he's on the field for less pass snaps. So that's a terrible combination for a player. Even though he saw six targets this past week, it's like you need pure opportunities. They got boat raced at you know in the second half, where it's just like that game wasn't even close. They weren't going to run the ball, so. The inefficiencies are super bad, but I think Josh Jacobs is going to be fine. Like he doesn't look slow, like in terms of like cuts and everything. He did change his number, so maybe that's part of it. Like when I look uh, at him on the these, field, these guys change their numbers all the time. Come on, I well, it's like when you're out there, you're number eight. Like okay, you were that in college, but like twenty eight is what you dominated for my team last year. So maybe that's just it's. Is that, it's Kyle, very like funny. Like I mean, this is a. For us. This is not a fantasy conversation, but it's a fun side one. Of, I get it. You, as a player, you should be able to, I you should be able to wear what the number that you want to wear. But like, realize that you build up brand equity with that number. Like, there's there's a reason that why when players get traded or move to other teams, and they're players of note, they go to the the the, the player who's on that current team and they did they do some sort of exchange of value to get their number back because that's that's my identity to to my fans of, around the league it, so i don't i'm not this maybe it sounds really old manish i don't know what the zoomers think of this but like don't don't keep changing your number so much if you change teams and you need to change your number okay i get it but like your number is part of who you are who you are as a player, and I, I like to have, you know, uh, I like to have the, the the foundation of you being the same number. I know what I'm looking for. I know what to expect because that's that's who I'm cheering for. Yeah, I get it. The other yeah. thing with Jacobs too is not just remember the the off season missed time, but he saw a massive jump in workload last year, which is why he was going in like round eight of redraft leagues or whatever. He saw so much more work than anyone was expecting and historically those guys do have a down year efficiency wise the next year so there's a couple things working against Jacobs but I'm with you in that I do think better days are ahead and they have shown not much willingness to give anyone else work so better days are ahead I think for Jacobs might just take a little time all right Mike why don't you hit us with the current tight end two in fantasy just like we all predicted all right, my trends. Uh, first one is: What is, is this Nico Collins? Is this for real? And this question is for Hunter Henry: Is this for real? He was the tight end one in week one, tight end two in week two. He's run the second most routes of the tight end position. Uh, Mike Gesicki is not factoring into the offensive plan at all. This new New England pass offense, the second most dropbacks in the NFL, and I got a. A very surprising number, boys. Uh, Hunter Henry, through two weeks, has 34% of the fantasy points that he scored last year. <laughs> like, I mean, 
what is happening here with <laughs> that's that's what I mean. Is this for real? It's all it, Hunter Henry. I think he is among the most frustrating fantasy football careers because when he came into the league, he was a round two pick back in 2016 for the Chargers. Puts up almost 508, and it was here we go, baby. Like this is the next superstar fantasy tight end, and he sort of improved at least in in tight end ranking over the next couple of years. But then it just really plateaued, and you never saw him surpass 650 yards. Um, he did hit the nine touchdowns his first year with New England, but he only had 600 yards, and it was why do teams keep not using him as a focal point where when we're watching the casual fans watching going Hunter Henry looks like he could be a Travis Kelsey type of player should he be given the correct situation and through two weeks do we have the correct situation here for Hunter Henry to truly thrive and finally give us a top five tight end season it's it's a great question because what what you're looking at is somebody who's about to be 29 in a contract year and I don't think any of us, one, saw this coming, but we we didn't know because the offense last year was just duty. I mean, they... they, yeah, they 34% they, already, man. They didn't use him in the red zone where that's like been his MO in his career. Like even when he was with the Chargers, he, he would have games you're like, this guy can dominate in the red zone. Like he'd have multi-touchdown games. So I like where he's at in terms of just the age cycle. We talk about this a lot with, in Dynasty, but tight ends tend to last a little bit longer. See Travis Kelsey, where... His age doesn't scare me off in a league. His contract in the future does make things kind of up in the air. But like, if he's on your roster, you're super thankful. He's somebody that I wouldn't mind trading for. Yeah, that's just, the question. If your tight end room is just doo-doo, I mean, let's just say for this year, okay? So in Dynasty, it's a different question. But for this year, would you rather have Kyle Pitts or Hunter Henry? Hunter Henry. Oh my gosh, Kyle. Why? Don't do that to us. Yeah, we need we need we need to have a banishment. Hey, of... ask ask us somebody in this group if they traded for Kyle Pitts today. I actually didn't. I actually oh, didn't you, do it. It was bets. I what? I couldn't. I could not do it. It was Luke Musgrave in a second for Kyle Pitts, and I all I had my finger over the button to accept. For I would Kyle do that, Pitts, and I did not do it. I'm not sure if I will by the end of the week, but I just. I, <laughs> we don't have to go into Kyle Pitts. We know the situation. Oh, man. But oh man, I think Hunter Henry outscores him this year. I mean, that's not that good, no. but I just think that's the reality of the situation. He might outscore think... him if he never plays the rest of the year. I, I was just <laughs> gonna say, if we shut Henry down for the year, does Kyle Pitts catch him? Oh my gosh! But I think the Henry Hunter, Hunter Henry thing is sort of here to stay, and not. I don't know he's gonna be the tight end one and two every week. Of course, Travis Kelsey will get healthy. Mark Andrews will get healthy. You know, uh, whatever. But like. The Patriots do not have skilled pass catchers. They don't have currently. They don't. They have no juice. They have no downfield threat. They Kendrick Bourne is like an every down player. Juju is whatever. I don't know why they let Jacoby Myers walk. That's another conversation for another day. Um, And fantasy tight ends come from situations where they can operate as the first or second option. There's like no target competition for Hunter Henry. So. Are there going to be weeks where he has like four catches for 40 yards? Yeah, of course. Every tight end does, but I think the usage is here to stay. If you are a contender, and let's just say your tight end room is just booty do, would you rather have Hunter Henry or a second round pick? Oh, Henry. Okay. If you're contending, give me Hunter. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So let's kind of move it. Would you rather have Hunter Henry or Chig in Dynasty? Henry. I am a sucker, and I will still take Chig. Uh, I think it just depends on where, where your team is at. Because if your team's not competing, then you can. Fart I thought around. this was all like contending teams. Well, I'm just saying, like that's kind of where this conversation is. Is like if you want to go in on a player that we know, like so far, is like okay, he has a role in this offense. He's running 43 routes a game. That's insane. Like that's Kyle Pitts would dream of that. He would love that. So. Instead of waiting around, make a bold move for a player. Now I don't. Now I think a first round pick is probably too much. That's too much. Yeah, don't do that. Okay, so it's it's gonna cost you something because the manager who has him says like, "Hey, 
I could hold on to this guy and see see where this goes. Or if you need a tight end, you can do it. So you might have to give up a wide receiver that has promise but hasn't shown it yet. So I, I'm just going to throw out a name. Would you rather have, if you're a contender and you're not starting this player, would you rather have Hunter Henry for this year or Traylon Burks? I would mm. still take Burks. I would still take Burks. Okay. I, I lean that way, but I, I, I'm we're getting to the point where there's potential in Dynasty of what this player can be to, I need this on my roster. I need a player. So I don't fault anyone for finding a wide receiver who's two or three years in that you're still waiting. Uh, uh, Nico Collins. Nico Collins or Hunter Henry? If you need a tight end. Nico. Ooh. Nico still. Yeah. I think I'd take my chance with Nico. 2-2 two, two or Hunter Henry? Hunter Henry. Henry, Cup's coming back. Okay. Okay, we're there. It, we're th- is he? Maybe, hopefully. <laughs> oh, man. Speaking I'm, into existence, Mike. I'm oh, I love it. So many Puka offers. So Like, just the wildest, wildest things right now for Puka in leagues. So, um, I want to give one more trending or ending right here, and it's just to prop up our boy C.D. Lamb. And Mike. Oh, the only good. P- Guys, my super dice team. <laughs> Uh, not so super, not so super when it is Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are the, uh, the true foundation of the team. CD lamb was just like, thought supposed to be the, the cherry, uh, my, my Garrett Wilson, Jamar Chase, CD lamb team, uh, about dead last in points scored and Najee and Najee and Ken Walker and Burrow. Your team is I the mean, least efficient team in the history of the planet. Dude, it's unbelievable. Just, just here for the tough yards. <laughs> so setting the tone. <laughs> I want to prop up to them. By the way, in that league that Mike is started off zero and two despite his super team. You know that Jeremy and I are two and zero despite having the worst team in the league. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Because that's that's how that where? league goes for me. Man. Okay. So CD Lamb. I just want to highlight that he's a dominator. That he's awesome. Last week he was on the field running routes thirty six times, targeted thirteen times. He had. 55 of the team's air yards. And he killed zone coverage. He was awesome for the year. This is courtesy of Marcus Mosher. He's averaging 12.94 yards per target. Like he's off the charts. And I think, I think we're getting him in his fully evolved form. And to use a Pokemon reference, because his real name is Sidarian, which sounds just like a Pokemon Sidarian lamb. Um, Guys, since Dak Prescott returned, remember he was hurt at the beginning of last year, when he returned in week seven, since then, CeeDee Lamb has averaged seven receptions for 90 yards a game. Like, that's alpha stuff. And I think what we're getting, this is kind of what I had to compare it to, I think he's prime DeAndre Hopkins. I think that's what he is. Similar body types, kind of thinner. And you're about to see a run where he's going to be in the top 10 of dynasty wide receivers for at least six years. That's what Hopkins was. Lamb's been doing it for three years. And all I wanted to do was just kind of assess with CeeDee Lamb, where does he rank in terms of dynasty wide receiver tiers? We did a show back in July that was, hey, it's Jefferson and Chase, pick your poison, whoever you want. And then we talked about the other tiers. Hope you picked Jefferson. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I didn't say on this podcast, like, hey, pick Chase. <laughs> I didn't say that at all. Um, would you put CeeDee Lamb comfortably as the wide receiver three in dynasty? Man. Give, Do you have give me some other names around there? I'll give you the other names because this is what okay. we this is what we had back in July, without a ton of information. So we had AJ Brown, Garrett Wilson, and CD Lamb kind of as the next tier. Would you put them above those guys? Um, I'll be, I mean, you have to put them above Garrett now. Um, I wasn't here for the Garrett Wilson reaction show, so the my my quick take on Garrett Wilson for Dynasty is. The saddest of sad that, that I could possibly be. So unbelievably sad. I know Rodgers is saying, I'm going to make a comeback. I'm going to be ready and hopefully in time for the playoffs, which your team is not going to make the playoffs. Um, And is Rod- is Rodgers ever back? Like, is, I mean, I don't, I don't know, Betsy, if we've, do we have any quarterback Achilles data? Uh, not really. The yeah. good news is, though, is like, I mean, the bad news is he's older, which 
always works against uh, players coming back from a major injury. But the good news is he's he not he's not really a running quarterback anyway, or never has been, especially now. So like, can he recover from the injury and then drop back in the pocket and deliver a quick slant to Garrett Wilson over and over and over and over again? Yes. Okay. And I do think he actually wants to come back for one more run next year. So silver lining, I guess. But yeah, it's a complete bummer. But uh, based yeah. off what you were hoping to get this year. The only, super, super set. The only quarterback that comes to mind that got an Achilles tear was also a Jets quarterback, your boy Vinny Testaverde. And oh. That's right. Uh, te- old Testy. So, that's, um, a, that's a deep cut. <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> as his teammates most certainly called him. Vinny T. I don't know if you realized what you were walking into, right? <laughs> old Vinny T. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's – um, I'll – I will, man, it's the A.J. Brown question in which week one wasn't terrible. Week two was, but there was also a touchdown reception call back on a holding call. I'm not going to let two, oh, man, am I? No, I'll keep A.J. Brown in front of him, but easily he moves past Garrett Wilson. So four, okay, four with with the potential that he could jump to, to number three. But I don't know, and if he keeps, I mean, the numbers you laid out here, Kyle, are, are absolutely ridiculous. If you do that for an entire year and then the rumor mill starts to come true of Dak Prescott gets his extension to to be the long-term solution for him and then you have those two guys together, then the, then I would have no problem. Keep Move him up to three. That's fine. Okay. so I think I, I lean CD personally. Just as t- use age as a tiebreaker, right? I mean, CD's 24. AJ Brown's twenty six doesn't really matter because they're both in the prime of their career. But if you are someone that likes to play long term, CD obviously younger, and he does not have a Devonta Smith on the other field, other side of the field to take away targets. He's he's the dude. Yeah. When we did this show, we had Devonta Smith in our top ten, but I, I think just from just from vibes alone, he feels like he's kind of risen in people's minds as like, okay, well he can be an alpha. So keep in mind with with the top ten dynasty wide receivers. We're splitting hairs, guys. Like we're like, all these players are great. We love them. I mean, Chris Olave. If you want to put in the top five, I would love that. I, I think that would just be the best. He's, thing in the world. He's on his way. So keep uh, keep CD Land in mind. I think like when we think about the top tier, he doesn't immediately come to mind. But like, I think we could be talking about him as in being an untouchable, like in just a year. Where I I, I don't know if people CD view, or Olave. CD. I mean, Olave is okay. already there in my mind, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's gonna do it. For this episode of uh, getting to talk about trending or ending topics next week, we'll get to follow up, talk about all the week three happenings, everything that's going on. Hope you guys have a great week. Do your thing out in the dynasty streets. (laughs) That's our ending now? (laughs) All right. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast. If you want to take your dynasty skills to the next level, check out the fantasyfootballers.com.